This episode is supported by Jace Medical. You may or may not know that in December, drug shortages across the U.S. hit a record high. This is causing severe disruptions in medical treatments, resulting in delays, treatment cancellations, and the unfortunate rationing of vital medications. I know that I have heard in the last few months from multiple mom friends of mine, instances where they have not been able to get medications for themselves or for their children in critical crisis moments. This is so, so scary. I know I've had friends with their kids having seasonal flu cold symptoms, struggling to breathe, and they're at urgent care and unable to get the antibiotics that they need because of these shortages. This is scary stuff. Most notably, one of the short supply antibiotics is amoxicillin, which is commonly used for so many of our children's illnesses. So here's where Jace Medical comes in. They have the Jace case, which is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that are used for the most common and deadly bacterial infections. And you can also customize your case and add additional life-saving medications based on your or your children's family's unique needs, like an EpiPen, for example, something that you would never want to be without, would never want to have to run from pharmacy to pharmacy in pursuit of. So if you want to go get these medications and have your antibiotics on supply so that you always have them when you need them in case of an emergency, in case of a disaster, in case of being a, you know, a victim of this drug shortage, Jace Medical will have you covered. All you need to do is go to jacemedical.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code SHAMELESS at jacemedical, J-A-S-E medical.com, jacemedical.com, code SHAMELESS. This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 298 with Molly Mayhar. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 298. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community, so be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Molly Mayhar is a shameless mom to Max and Juliet and the founder of Stratajoy, an online community that has helped thousands of women reclaim joy and meaning in their world. She's an entrepreneur, mama, and adventurer obsessed with taboo topics, designing personal experiments, and the power of sisterhood. Molly teaches everything she knows about claiming ownership of your life and your truth in her 10-month program, Reclamation. After surviving her own quarter-life crisis by quitting her dream job and embarking on a year-long trip around the world, Molly has spent the last nine years empowering other women to discover and live their own version of success. She helps her clients and community reconnect to their truth, refocus their efforts, and reclaim their joy via deep diving into 10 topics that are vital to our lives as modern women, authenticity, expectations, body love, pleasure, ritual, creativity, courage, purpose, power and abundance. The result, a thriving tribe of badass women who take their dreams, but not themselves seriously, aren't afraid to tell the truth and understand that we all rise together. A free spirit with a passion for mindful entrepreneurship, Molly loves sharing her knowledge with others and cracking numerous self-deprecating jokes. Bonus if she gets to be barefoot and dole out hugs upon entry. She has spoken at numerous events and conferences and has been featured in the Washington Post and Forbes. Molly's superpowers, telling the truth kindly, gathering awesome women together, and yes, reclaiming joy. I have known of Molly for years. 
and was so excited when we actually got to connect because she's someone who's been on my list since I launched the podcast. Like I knew I needed to connect with her, but I just hadn't gotten around to making it happen. And she reached out to me and was like, hey, so I've heard of you. And when did I get to be on your show? (laughs) And I was super, super excited and honored and touched that she even had me in her universe. So I was very excited to connect with her. And you'll get to hear Molly and I's mutual adoration for each other as we get started in this conversation. And then we dive deep into everything that Molly is working on and where she's come from, especially how motherhood has impacted her life and her journey. And here's what you can expect to hear from her. Listening to hear Molly share her desire to pursue and embrace mastery in 2019, how she learned she was pregnant when she thought she had diagnosed herself with bipolar disorder, why she wiped out half of her business and half of her income on purpose, specific practices you can use to reconnect and reclaim your truth, how to pay attention to what brings you joy and pleasure and make decisions around those feelings and the four questions you should have answers to in order to pull yourself out of tough moments and days. So I loved this conversation. I'm so thankful to Molly for joining us on the show. I'm definitely going to have her come back again because this was so much fun. So let's go ahead and dive in with Molly Mayhar. Molly Mayhar, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I feel like this has been a long time coming, so this is going to be really fun. I am excited to be here. So everyone knows I'm an internet stalker, and I was blown away in my stalking when I learned we are connected to so many people. Like, I knew you were doing awesome things, but the more I investigated, the more I was like, we know all the same people. So we have a lot to dive into. Well, that is why I felt like it was okay to, instead of sending like a formal email to your admin... I'm pretty sure I just DM'd you on Instagram. I was like, when do I get to be on your podcast? Oh my gosh. That's, <laughs> I'm so glad you brought that up because you did. And what's hilarious is when you sent that, I was like, in my mind, I'm like, oh my God, how does she know she's been on my list? Like literally since I started the show of like people I need to email at some point and someday I'll get around to it. But like definitely on the list for sure. And I was like, oh my God, she knows who I am because I was keeping track of like all the people that we knew in common thinking like at some point when I reach out, this will be valuable that I can be like, we know 47 people in common. <laughs> Let me drop all of the right. names in this email. And then I didn't even have to use that. <laughs> so thanks for making it easy. Hey, no problem. Great example. Sometimes we make things way more complicated oh, than they have to be, yes, right? Yes. People have asked me a lot about getting guests on the show and like, how do you do it? I'm like, I usually send a message on Instagram to be like, hey, you're doing really cool things. Do you want to come on my podcast? (laughs) I love those invitations. Right. Like you said, like, I mean, I do have like a form email that I do send to some people, but there's oftentimes I'm on a couch on a Sunday morning while my kid is watching cartoons. And I'm like, I'm just going to do this right now because I just saw a really awesome post that inspired me. And if I wait till Monday, it won't happen for three more months. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Getting it done. Totally. Okay. So I want you to tell us a little bit more about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio and what you're most excited about right now. Okay. Let's see. Beyond the bio. I don't even remember what the bio says. So that is good. (laughs) I am calling in from my tiny 1400 square foot, what I like to call a beach house. But in reality, we are eight houses up from the cliffs of Shell Beach, California, which is outside of San Luis Obispo, California, which is halfway between San Francisco and LA. Nobody knows where I am. That's where I am in the middle (laughs) of the (laughs) That tells you that here I love nature. It is very important to me to live in beautiful places that delight my senses. And I need to be in the ocean and in the mountains and with my feet on the hiking trail. It also tells you that 
even though I love to travel, it happens much less often because we have a teeny tiny little airport. We did get a new airport, but you know. Yeah. Is it the St. Louis Obispo? I don't yeah. even know if I'm saying that right, but is that you have your own airport now though? We do. Okay. We used to have one that was smaller than the one I grew up with in Helena, Montana. Oh my gosh. But in the last five years I have lived here, we got a brand new, beautiful airport. Wow. And there's never any line. You can literally like walk right through onto your plane. Oh, such a dream. (laughs) I'm going to move there just for that. (laughs) I've been trying to recruit people to move here the entire time I've lived here. But the problem is it's small. There's not a ton of industry. Mm. So unless you are like, you know, I'm a doctor, I'm a professor, I'm a small business owner. There's no like office jobby jobs. Right. Yeah. But fine for me and my husband and I both work for ourselves. So we ended up here very specifically because this is where we wanted to be with kids. With babies. Tell us about the babies. Yep. I got two of them. Max is six and Juliet is four. So fun. So fun. Half and four and a half. Yeah. So I am moving out of toddlerdom into like school age children, which is a whole new phase. You said Max is the oldest? Yes. Is Max in kindergarten? He's actually in second grade. He is wickedly smart. Wow. That's amazing. And then Juliet is not in kindergarten yet. Nope. Next year. Okay. Okay. Your life is about to change to get them both in kindergarten. Both in the same school? I know. I know. I'm really looking forward to it. Our kindergarten here is like one of those graduated ones though. So first half of the year, she'll go till noon and then two and then three. So Oh. End of next year, they will be at the same school. Nice. At the same All day. time. Yes. <laughs> Every so. day you're getting a little closer to the dream. <laughs> I know. That said, I have a nanny who works 25 hours a week for me, and I love her, and she's like a grandma, and nice. she loves my kids. And I'm trying to figure out how I will feel about her not working for me because she does all my laundry. <gasps> Oh, yeah. That was an issue with us. When we transitioned from nanny to child, like daycare, preschool, when my son was two, that was an issue for us. I was like, oh, wait, I have to do my laundry now. Because she did all of Vinny's laundry, and then she would occasionally do some of our laundry, too. And yeah, it is a sacrifice. But there are laundry services. I don't use a laundry service, but I'm told by very successful people that laundry is one of the first things and least expensive things to outsource. I am fine. Although I don't know if they have that where you live. I I know, a small town. I'm like, maybe somebody has a laundry service. It's all good. And I say this, you know, slightly tongue in cheek, but also I understand everyone listening how very privileged I am that I can have a nanny and joke about someone doing my laundry. Totally. Yes. But I really do love it. Yes. Yes. Thank you for pointing that piece out as well. Okay. So what are you excited about right now? This exact moment. I am in the middle of visioning. I don't know when this is going live, but right now when we're recording mid-December, I am visioning my 2019. And it's something I've done every year for like a gajillion years, nine specifically. And I just did the wrap up, like I finished looking backwards. So I'm very clear on all the lessons that 2018 taught me and what I want to leave and what I want to bring with me. And I'm like right on the edge of starting to ask myself slash the universe, like what's on tap? What's gonna happen? And I love... Well, when I am a planner at heart, so I like setting intentions and being like very deliberate with my word of the year and what are the goals I have for myself. So that part's just fun. And also it feels a bit like a mystery this year. Sometimes it's really clear. I'm like, okay, I got it. This is like this year I knew what I needed. My word was free. I did tons of streamlining in my business and in my personal life. And I just needed more space. But right now I am sitting on this great. Like 2018 was a really positive, 
there was hard stuff, but in general, it was a really positive year for me. And I can tell I'm entering like this realm of what I call mastery, where I'm like, Ooh. my shit's handled. Like yeah. traditionally, I'm not very good at enjoying mastery. I immediately launch myself into unrest and like rip everything up and put it back together. Yeah. And I don't want to do that again. I'm going to try really hard not to. So tell us, especially for people who might not be super familiar with the terminology and definitely how it relates to you and your work, when you think of reaching mastery or like anticipating 2019 being a year of mastery, like tell us more about what that means, what that looks like and feels like to you. Yes. It means all of these things that I've been working on, both life, family, business, health, I kind of have. Like I've reached the end of some goals. Like, yay, celebration. And instead of adapting really quickly to that and going like, what's next? What's more? What's different? How can I be better? I want to just sit in it. Like, this is lovely. Let me enjoy what I have built. Like, this is what I wanted. Now that I quote unquote have it, how do I stay there? Yeah, (laughs) I like that. Are you a quick start kind of person who like gets shiny object syndrome and is always looking for the next best thing or not next best thing, but for like the next thing? Or are you someone who likes to start something see it through to completion, go back and tweak it, keep it going and kind of stick with what you know? Yeah, good question. I would say I'm a weird mix because one of my very natural strengths, like <laughs> a lot of the strengths finder a million years ago is activation. So in some ways, I'm a great quick start. I love that feeling of kind of scared, excited, right? And I crave that in my life. So the creation of new things, whether that's like a big trip to do with the family or like, I love that energy and want it. That said, there is a piece of me that is super into structure and systems. I always think of it as, as like, systems allow me to be spontaneous when I know my stuff is handled. Like Mm. this is how my schedule looks. This is how I work my money situation. Like everything is deliberate. It's very structured. And then I can relax into it. Like it's handled. I can spend my spending money. It's the way that we run our family. Like things get taken care of so that we can play all weekend because you know, the house is clean. The groceries are shopped. I set my doctor's appointments as soon as we're there having the current one. I got it set for the next year, like systems in place. Nice. And then I can play with the rest of it. So I'm kind of both. (laughs) I'm a little bit like that too. I definitely not a spontaneous person, but I do. And I started more and more embracing the side of me that like has an idea and wants to quickly run with it. But I also like to do like all my research and make sure that like I can validate things And then also, like, if I'm going to do something once and it's going to work, I'd like to be able to replicate it, (laughs) not have every single thing I do be brand new every single time. So yeah, I like a mix of things as well. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, 
best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist, and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder. And I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better. I also learned this from running a fitness business for 16 years. I can't have everything just constantly repeat over and over. Yeah. So like I can't run the same transformation program, which I did this at my gym, the same transformation program like five times a year for seven years straight. <laughs> so. yeah. Yeah. So yeah, there's that fine line between, and I think this is in like a lot of different categories in life too. I mean, you could even like approach it from like date night with your partner that date night can be really fun. But if every single date night is like going to the same restaurant or having like the exact same routine, then it's not super fun after a while. Like it mm -hmm. just starts to feel a little stale and then you're like, okay, how can we like, and also it can feel a little bit hard. Like this is what we're used to it feels kind of burdensome and like a responsibility to have to yeah. Yeah. change it. Example because here's the structure. I'm like, Ken and I need to go on one, we call them creative date nights. So a lot not dinner and a movie because you can do this anytime. It's very easy. But one creative date night a month. So like that structure is in place. And then we take turns figuring out what that creative date night is going to look like to some success and some disaster. Let me know. <laughs> Like this one time. Yes, this like please do to everyone's like tell a disaster, tell a disaster. So, so here, the idea was so wonderful. But again, we live in a pretty small town. Like, I mean, it's a cosmopolitan small town because we have a university. So there's things that happen. But Ken was like, I must have been talking about this. Or I don't know where I picked it up. But someone was telling me about like floating tanks. You know, when you oh, go yeah, yeah. on those like pods, really dark, yes. salt water, yes. whatever. I'm totally curious about those. I'm so excited to hear the story. Right? Okay. So there is no business that has floating tanks in a classy spa-like situation. But Ken found a woman who has a house. Oh. Out in the woods. Oh my god. Who gosh. has a tank in a random guest bedroom. <gasps> I literally do not know how he found her or where she advertises this. And I have no idea. It's a surprise. He's like, just, you know, bring a towel. I'm like, okay. So I bring a towel. We're like, I'm like, where are we going? Why are we in a Tascadero? This is weird. And then we show up at this lady's house. house. Like, pretty kind of messy house. And she like invites us in. And she's like, well, there's only one tank. So you can go one at a time. And she like pass all these like stacks of laundry and like clutter. Oh and she's like, I'll close the shades for you. And I'm just looking at Ken going like, where are we? <laughs> what? <laughs> is this and then like the person who's not in the tank has to just awkwardly sit in this woman's house and wait their turn no i did i was on her couch and she gave me a bowl of soup 
<laughs> and then you're hanging out with her and like making small talk. Yeah, she was watching. Not awkward at all. <laughs> Anyways, it was really fun and we laugh about it now. That's but. So funny. I feel like if that happened with us, I'd be like, you lost your privileges to plan the creative date for a while. <laughs> I like it. I like stories and I really do like it. That's true. I mean, but I was like, I am never coming back. Just yeah. to be clear. Oh, that's yeah. so funny. So I'm just talking about this on Facebook Live about glass half full versus the glass half empty. And I've trained myself to be a very glass half full kind of person. I don't know if that's like my innate personality, but I definitely live that now. And my husband, eh, not so much. He can definitely be a little more glass half empty, although he does really work on not being that way. But I was talking about on social media that I get really impatient with people who are just persistently like, well, now I guess this is going to go wrong. And see, I told you everything's always hard for me. And like that kind of attitude, (laughs) because then you attract that. And I was like, you know, at the very least, even if everything does go wrong, at the very least, you're going to have a good story at the end. So like embrace that. Be like, this is going to be an amazing story. And here's 13 different platforms I'm going to share it on. And I'm going to monetize it. And I'm going to build a business around it. Like you have to look at it that way. And I think that anyone who's had to overcome a lot of adversity at some point hopefully starts to embrace that. But I know like we had this long infertility journey and that was definitely our case. Like I was like, oh, if I'm going to have to go to this like fertility clinic so my husband can take care of business, you better believe I'm going to like write a blog post about this. And people will be crying because they're laughing, not because they feel bad for us. So I totally appreciate a good story at the end of something that maybe where you're like, hmm, was this a date night or just some wasted time? (laughs) (laughs) Yep. I'm like, this one go on on Facebook or Instagram. Right. Totally. Oh, that's so good. So I want to talk a little bit about your entrance into motherhood. So you had built this successful business before becoming a mom. And I do have so many mom listeners who had a level of success before having kids. And then they have kids and I mean, no matter what level of success you have before having kids, like kids change everything, rock your world, no matter what. And I think a lot of us think like, I'm just going to keep going and things will just kind of stay the same. And I can file this kid situation over here in this drawer and then go to work or do whatever I love all the time still. And that's that's often not the case. So can you talk a little bit about your entrance into motherhood, the good, the bad, the ugly, and then how did that impact your business journey at that time? Totally. Well, so I would put air quotes around the successful business when I had Max. I had a business that had been going and I loved it, but let me backtrack this. It was not financially viable on its own. Okay. Like I couldn't be supporting myself on what strategy I was making pre-Max. Okay. I used to have all my numbers in front of me for these specific kinds of interviews, but I should put that piece of paper back up. (laughs) I have a husband who has a job also. So we were, you know, a duo income family, which was fine. But, and I always knew I wanted kids. One of the reasons that I actually started Stratajoy was needing, wanting, craving freedom, Mm. true freedom of my time, of my energy. I made a pretty clear decision back in college that I love kids so much, but I wasn't going to work with them, which is something I was considering being a child psychologist. And I said, okay, I'm not going to do that. I will just have my own kids. That's how I will get kid energy into my life. And so the strategy was kind of built with this idea that I wanted control of my time. I wanted to be a mom who could, you know, bring marshmallow bars to the Christmas party or whatever, which has slightly since changed when I understand the reality of what I was going to ask, how many times right. have you brought those marshmallow oh, bars? To the- party mom. I am the party mom this year. You are? Look at you. I love it. Everyone's been doing it a long time, so I just do whatever she tells me to do, which nice. is great. Nice. <laughs> so good. But 
<laughs> but way back in the day, we were in San Diego at that point. So I had built a really local business in Seattle. And when we decided to leave Seattle, 2010, I'm trying to, it was maybe only two and a half years that I'd been in Seattle, but you know, I used to like speak at entrepreneur events. I would see my clients in person. I got my first two clients from my hairdresser kind of thing. And then we left and we moved to San Diego and I was like, okay, I am somewhat online, but I really have to take the bulk of my business online at this point because I don't want to stay in San Diego. So I don't want to build the business here in the same way I built it in Seattle. And then I got pregnant and we were like trying to get pregnant. But for some reason, at the very beginning, I didn't realize I was pregnant. I just thought I was honestly, I went to the doctor and said, I have late onset bipolar. What should we do? Like, oh, my, my God, we're going what I'm trying to say is crazy. Wild. Like that I am all so high funny. I was like, I remember I'm sorry, baby Max, when you were in my belly. I remember drinking a bottle of wine at noon one day, and this is not my normal, but I was like feeding my own desperation wow. and then recording myself. Like I drank wine at noon and then I put my video camera on. I was like, I don't know what's wrong. With me. Oh my god. Yeah, so promptly got myself to a doctor. For some reason, didn't... Well done. Very good move. I know. Let's take care of my mental health here. I don't know why we didn't figure out I was pregnant right away. Like, wouldn't that have been one of the first questions? It took us several weeks. And luckily, I decided, I'm going to be done drinking because I don't need this depressant in my system. So, yay, baby Max, I took care of you after that bottle of wine. But so like a month and a half later, we finally figure out I am 13, 14 weeks pregnant. Wow. Don't ask me. So funny. Yeah. And then somehow all the like emotional upheaval, I was like, oh, I'm pregnant. I'm fine. I'm just pregnant. And so like went away or maybe I understood what it was. So it didn't bother me. I was like, oh yeah, my emotions are going crazy. My hormones are all crazy. Oh my gosh. That is so funny. That's so interesting. I know. Just, so there's, there's a true story. But the piece about business, which is I know the real question you asked me, was I had some little come to Jesus moments with myself that. I needed my business to be either making real money and have a real not stressful structure, like something that I could depend on, something that was sustainable, or I needed to find something else to do because I didn't want to bring the stress of launch after launch after launch into my life with little kids. I knew that wasn't going to work for me. And I think it was on maternity leave that, you know, maternity leave, AKA, I just didn't make any money for four months. Like, that's what it means when you're an entrepreneur, at least. Right. right. <laughs> Maternity leave is in air quotes, for sure. Yeah, more, I'm totally air quoting over here. So I just didn't answer email for four months. <laughs> and That's exactly, that is the like the textbook definition of entrepreneurial maternity leave. You just don't answer email for four months. Don't That's make it. Yep, right. okay. <laughs> but in that time, I feel like my mind was like wildly creative because all I was doing was breastfeeding all hours of all days. And... I said that was I created a mastermind, like a life mastermind, a 12 month program with retreats. I love traveling when I studied hospitality in university, like I have a degree in business administration from a hotel school. So I was like, I'm going to make this thing. I'm going to charge so much more money than I've ever charged for anything. And I'm only going to work with, I think it ended up being 14 women. And so my mastermind Elevate, which I had done for five years, I don't do it anymore, but I did do it for five years. Like that was born out of necessity when I had Max. And it made all the difference in my business. It gave me financial stability. I did not have to launch anything else unless I wanted to. I had a schedule that I could work around really easily because I knew what it was. 
And motherhood was like a good kick in the butt for me to be like, what does this look like now? And if I can't get it there, I don't know if it's worth it. I want to point out that, and I've said this before, I think that there's nothing like pregnancy as like an amazing deadline too. And I think that a lot of women experience this, especially entrepreneurial women experience this like, okay, like this is the most firm deadline I've ever had in my life. And how am I going to use that to my advantage? And I know that, you know, for sure, for me, I did a lot of stuff in pregnancy to be like, this is what I want my life to look like after this baby comes. And I think that the power in that is that we set things up in ways that can really, really serve us well. Now we never know what mother for a first child, we don't know what, how motherhood will change us. And I think that we often, at least in my case, are really incorrect about how it will unfold. But I love the idea of working with this deadline and being really intentional about like, I want something that serves me in the following ways. And I did that as well. And I think that one of the things I see happening on the other side of that is that moms, after they have kids, when they decide they want to make a change, like maybe they want to, you know, build a work from home kind of a business, or they want to change careers or just even ask for like a raise or a promotion. They often, because they don't have that same firm deadline of pregnancy, it's often placed at this much lower priority where it's like, well, when the kids are in school or when we have more free time or when the blah, 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 when the kid is potty trained or sleeping through the night or whatever, and we don't get to it. But when we're pregnant, I feel like the, that deadline, I feel like is just so valuable and beautiful. And I wish that more moms could use that power outside of pregnancy. Cause I'm actually like, I'm in the process of putting together a workshop for January. And this is the constant theme that keeps coming up about like, I'm not prioritizing myself. I keep saying, I want to do this thing. I want to build a business for myself, blah, blah, blah. But without a deadline and this like very firm boundary around what they want, it becomes much harder to implement. Yeah. You know, it's funny when you were saying that, Sarah, what was coming to me was this is probably the reason I put so much emphasis on my yearly planning because Mm. yeah, there isn't, I'm not going to graduate my key. Like there's not these ends that naturally happen in our life as we grow up, even like I got married, I bought a house or whatever. Like I don't really have much of that ahead of me. So I think it's why I lean into like this year, really using the first of the year as as that deadline, as that reset, getting very clear and pretty strict with myself about, okay, year of free is over. Like, what do I need to do next to live the life that I want? Yes. Such a great question. A a false boundary, but one that I really respect. Yeah. And I think that's a really great question. And all you have to think about is the thing you need to do next. You don't have to think about what do I need to do over the next 12 months? Like there needs to be, you know, a general guideline or general sense of direction. But I think often it's as simple as like, what do I need to do today? (laughs) And sometimes we're thinking so far, well, like a year from now, I want to write a book, but we don't have the action plan for like, okay, so what do I need to do next? (laughs) So I think that's a really great question. So good. Okay. So I want you to then tell us, so you launched the program after your son was born. And I know since then you have evolved the business. And I was just listening to you in a podcast interview a couple days ago with Susan Hyatt, who has been on my show and many of my fans love and adore Susan. And you were talking about 
that you built up this business to a certain point, And now I think it was in 2018 primarily that there's been things that you've decided to take out of the business and be like, I actually like, I don't need all of that. And I'm not in this to see like how many zeros I can add to the end of my income. And so can you talk a little bit about going through a phase of like building up to a level of success and then being like, actually, I want to lean it out a little bit. And what was your kind of the evolution around that? Yeah, totally. Because I did, I went through a total rip it down. What does this need to look like in this stage of my life, my kid's life? And last year was the brunt of those decisions. So I had this mastermind that I loved. Like I was not tired of running it. I was not tired of that piece of it at all. So it had been five years. And again, it was like the sustainability of my financials depended on that program. But... I hit this point of thinking about like, what am I building? If all I do is a mastermind with 14 women, that is great and fine, but that's a coaching practice. Mm -hmm. And all these other ideas I have about building like a learning platform, you know, like more of a teacher than a coach. I was like, that's not that. Mm -hmm. So it's okay. If that's what I want it to be, like I understand how much money I can sell it for. It's very easy. I could probably drop off of the online part of my business totally if that's all I wanted to do because that program sold itself on referrals just Mm. straight up. But there was this piece of me that had a different vision and I was all these things that I've learned from this program content wise that I want to teach. I think I could reach a lot more women if I did a different version of it. So in 2017, yeah, 2017, so I still had little kids. They're six and four now. So they were four and two at that point. That year was a giant year. And I ran my mastermind. And I also ran a version of that program online for about 85 women. So there was no one-on-one and there was no retreat, but I was teaching the exact same content in a different kind of format. And so that year was, word of the year was evolve, (laughs) right? Trying new ways, not assuming I knew the best way to be, really being experimental in many things in my life, including my business. And I ran them both. And it was a great year and it was a full year. And I got to the end of it and I was like, there is no effing way I can do that again. Like too much. Yeah. I was just, it was literally too much for me. Again, with freedom as my like highest held value. Like I was like, I'm trapped by my own business that I built. So after thinking about it both ways, I cut out my mastermind. I said, I'm not going to do it. I like wiped out half of my income. Boom. More than half actually. So 2018, this year was the first year that I only ran Reclamation. So only the online version of it. And I took that and said, okay, if I'm going all in, if like, if Reclamation is it, I can streamline so much of my website. I can get rid of so many things of what I tell, like, if this is it, I can really like parse down all the things that have collected over the last eight years into like, what is supportive of this journey? And how do I speak to those women that I want to take? And so it was a big year of like killing my babies. Like I, I must have had a thousand blog posts and I just deleted like wow. 800 of them. I mean, some of them were written for other people. And I took my website and I said, okay, all this can go. Like that can go, that can go, that can go, that can go. And it was kind of fun and also really scary yeah. <laughs> at the same time. And sometimes I made the wrong decision. I was like, okay, camp is over. Some summers I run summer camp, like for adult women. And I said, I cannot make camp viable. I can't make it work. I can't figure out how to sell it. Like I see what it could be and it's so fun to do, but I cannot take another year where I'm losing money on this major event. Mm-hmm. And so I declared summer camp is over as part of my streamlining. And I had one in this year, so August. 
and at camp, all my ladies were like, why is camp over? I'm like, you guys, because I can't sell it. I mean, you're here. Thank you. I love you. But I can't figure out how to make it work. And I like, love oh. that transparency, by the way. <laughs> Like whenever I'm at events, entrepreneurial yeah. kinds of events, you always just assume that the person on the stage is making millions of dollars because yeah. they've built a stage for themselves. And I have found out so many times after the fact that they've gone like way in the hole on an event or whatever. So I just totally appreciate that level of transparency to be like, I love this thing, but also I can't afford to do community service for all of you because like, I'd rather do community service for my babies or, you know, totally. I think that's totally. so, yeah. I'm like, my so, business is my business. Yeah. Totally. So valuable. I know. So they took that and said, well, Molly, what if we sell it for you? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Show me the money. I don't believe you. I mean, really, I was like, I'm like, I love your intentions. I hear you guys. But until you people actually buy tickets, it's just talk. Yeah. They're like, no, really, give us a chance. So I made them a deal. I said, all right, I will host summer camp if you all help me sell it. And we have to sell it out before Christmas, like before the year. Wow. And, I, and I'm like, and I'm not, a, I'm not attached to the outcome. Like I didn't even sign the contract with the place until they sold it. I was like, just hold those dates for me. I'll let you know if I'm going to sign. Yeah. She was like, all right, you got a month. I'm like, okay, we have a month. So this is not my actual timing that I wanted because it was in the middle of trying to sell holiday council. I was just like oh, strategy land over here all the time. But I told all those campers, I said, here we go. I need $300 deposits from 80 women. And if I get those, we will have summer camp. And if I don't, I will return your $300 and we will not have summer camp. I got down to the last day, the last day. Did you remain emotionally not engaged this whole time? It was actually really fun because I did my part. Like I, yeah. I did not do anything, but I also didn't worry about it. It was it, kind of just a fun game. It was a fun game. And there's rarely times. A social says, experiment. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. So I made these little, you could, you could look at the Instagram, either me or Stratajoy. I was doing these little countdowns. How many days, how many campers we had left. And people were really rallying. And we had so much fun that last night. I remember the day before it was supposed to close, we sold probably 13 spots that last day, you know, cause once it hits a momentum, people are like, Oh God, I gotta get a ticket. It's really happening. Right. 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 I could not leave my computer. I was like, Ken, you gotta make dinner. I can't leave because I was like, once the tickets sell, I'm going to have to actually physically like take it off the website. There's no yeah. like counter happening here, but there was this whole group of them on Facebook just being like, I can't leave Facebook. When are you going to announce it sold out? When is it happening? I'm like, <laughs> I'm sitting here too, you guys. I don't know. There was like two girls who were bowling. One of her friends was like, my oh friends my are God. bowling, but they're buying tickets. I'm like, tell them to buy tickets right now <laughs> because we can all go to bed once they do. And anyway, it was a giant experiment and camp is on. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> I have, yeah. What was the original question? Oh, streamlining my business. So apparently camp is still on. So you cut out a major portion of your business knowing you were walking away from income. You also decided that if people wanted a certain service from you, that they had to like get their act together and make it happen on their own as like your community had to be responsible for that instead of you being responsible for that. Yes. And this is fun to know. So I run this online program, a three-week program that I'm in the middle of right now, holiday council. So our kind of goal setting, intention setting. And I've seriously taught it for this is my ninth year. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky, wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. 
So, join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking It. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're, Amy, more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. I think the first year we looked back, there was 42 people who took it with me. Woohoo! I've had for the last three years, I've had just the random number goal of wanting a thousand women in this program. We have not come close to hitting it. Last year, I think we sold 780 something. So I was like, oh, that was amazing. We are so close. And so in this year of streamlining and getting really clear, also having a great Facebook ads woman, (laughs) we shout out to Claire Peltrou. I sold 1,183 spots at Holiday Council. Amazing. I think it was on Instagram. I saw a post that you put up about selling it. And I was like, maybe she means a hundred. A thousand. That's amazing. That is congratulations. Thank you. So in my year of streamlining and taking out a giant piece of my business, my business actually grew in many ways. And Mm -hmm. I am going to make as much revenue as I made last year. So this is my favorite theme of 2018. (laughs) I sold my gym in April, March. I don't know. Sometime last spring, I sold the gym. But one of the things I had sitting on my desk, and people for me tell the story a million times, but I've had this one of Danielle Laporte's truth bombs sitting on my desk for like six months of that process. And it said, make space for your future. And this gym sale was like, agonizing at times. And I just kept thinking, you are making space for your future. You're making space for your future. You're making space for your future. And that's what I think about when everything that you just said, all those steps were like, you're making space for your future. So in making space for your future, you made space for all these other things to happen in like way bigger and better ways. And so it wasn't like, I'm going to cut out half of my business and lose all this money and then just be like operating at 50% income, (laughs) 50% productivity, 50% like of my awesomeness. No, like you get to take everything that you were doing probably at like 70%. Those things get to go up to like 110% now. So yeah. And I remember thinking that a year ago is like the part of me that was so scared has been lost this giant client. Like it wasn't necessarily a logical decision to be like, I'm going to run this program this year. It was like, I can't like gut level intuition wise. I cannot do it. And I had to let go of my team right? I like, again, I'm very organized. So I know where my money needs to go. I'm like, I don't have money for wages. So in this year of streamlining, it's going to be me and, you know, a couple of contractors that I hire hourly stuff, but I let go of my team. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to know the nitty gritty of every single email that hits any of my inboxes. (laughs) I'm going to know exactly what's broken. I'm going to, right. I like, I will just have ownership over all of that. And I had to remind myself exactly what you just said. Like, there is also 
space and possibility that this could be the best decision ever in mm-hmm. all ways, financially, space-wise, me feeling excited about showing up. I learned that I don't really love managing a day-to-day team. <laughs> like, which is which a is valuable really- thing to learn. And I yeah. kind of learned that too in running my yeah. gym. I mean, I love my trainers. I'm like forever grateful for them. And I feel tremendously in debt to everything that they did to help me run my business, especially in the later years. But I also don't want to be like when I hear Amy Porterfield talk about her team, sometimes I'm like, Oh God, that sounds like a lot. And she has a small team, but like, I hear people talk about like, you know, every Monday we have a four hour team meeting and I'm like, Oh God, I never want to do that. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. I, and I thought I did. I mean, I was like, I, cause I, and again with you, like I love all my people and they still work. They still do one off stuff for me, mm-hmm. but there was something about and it probably just means I haven't figured out the right way for me to do it. But there was something about that structure in some ways that I love it. But that was feeling stifling. Mm-hmm. I was feeling like I couldn't do what I wanted to do because, yes, I needed to show up for all these one-on-ones and double check everyone's work. And I was like, right. ah! So there was a fun piece of my freedom that was really owning all of these aspects of my business. And just I'm not afraid of the work. I understand that it's maybe not the best use of all of my time to be answering customer service emails, except I actually like that part. I learned I like that part. It's more the nitty gritty of the website when I'm like, oh, I can do all these amazing things now. Do I need to be doing that? Do I need to learn how to code in WordPress or am I just going to hate my life every minute that I'm coding in WordPress? (laughs) Yeah, I let it just be like I understood. Like I was very clear on what the sacrifices were going to be for the decisions I made and got through this year just fine and also got to reap some rewards from the decision. So it was a great reminder that I was just writing like one of my lessons learned and one of them was like my intuition is spot on for myself. Like I can't tell anybody else what they should be doing or what that might look like. But for me and my business, I can trust myself very clearly and I just have to give myself permission to do it. Yeah, totally agree. And that permission piece is really uncomfortable. So I want to talk a little bit about, I know that, I mean, you've just given some beautiful examples of reconnecting and reclaiming your truth. And that's something that you really help other women with. How can moms reconnect and reclaim their truth when like life is going a hundred miles an hour at all times? How do we even slow down enough to listen mm-hmm. to that intuition? Mm-hmm. I think that's the struggle. And I mean, I would include myself in that. And I only have one kid who's in school full time. <laughs> and so I kind of like, relatively speaking, I actually have the space for this and I still am like, no, but the things, all the things, all the time. So yeah. tell us about that. Okay. So I've got many things to say because you're right. This is pretty much what I teach. I mean, this is what I teach, but the how part is very specific and very unique. And one, I think the permission that maybe the way you connect with yourself is going to look wildly different than the way I connect with myself, but there's still some underlying pieces that can help everyone, no matter what season of life you are in with your child, children, peoples, humans. (laughs) One is paying attention to what feels good. And I know this sounds simplistic, but we don't do a great job of this. We pay attention to the crappy things, the things that build resentment that you were saying this, the glass half empty things. Like we are wired to pay more attention to those. It's just how we work as humans. So we have to like indulge celebration. We have to call out in the moment when you feel alive. Like I am that weirdo walking down the street who like will stop, tilt my head so the sunshine hits me right in the face. And I'm like, 
love the sunshine. You know, like my arms in a power pose. I love it. I've like gotten to be that- so much more like that. Like I will go for walks now. I'm, I mean, I'm in Seattle. The sun can be infrequent, <laughs> but I will literally go for a walk for the sake of that, like that actual sensation of sun hitting my body. And this is something that like until probably two years ago, I would have been like, well, I don't even have time for that. And what are you even talking about? And now it's like, no, that's a gift I can give myself today that will bring me tremendous joy. So I will go out and even if it's just for 10 minutes and that I think it's so valuable to recognize that. So go ahead. Yep. Nope. So it's building on that piece of pleasure, joy, happiness, whatever you want to call it, because we all have our unique, you know, sensual bodies that feel those things. So one place for like making space for intuition to come in is to give yourself more pleasure. It just is. And it's going to be different, quiet, giant bubble glasses of red wine for some people. It doesn't matter what it is. It matters that you know it and you give yourself more of it. That's place one. Because once you have more joy, pleasure, that piece, I feel like we are paying more attention to the good and the bad. And that helps us go, oh, I want more. I want more of that good stuff because you can spin yourself out and overwhelmed and busy and not even recognize the cravings for what it is you really want, right? You get stuck in it and you don't even know it's there. So instead of being like, I'm so busy, I'm going to get really quiet and journal. I'm like, first, just add more of the good things. Just recognize them. Yeah. Like, get juiced up on that because that's going to help you create space for more of it. Right. When you feel like kind of full in that way, then you're like, okay, self. Yep. I got it. I understand what my yeses are. I can feel them. I see how my days get better when they're there. And then that gives you that piece of, uh, permission is not the word I want, like motivation maybe Mm -hmm. to be like, I know what it is. I want more of it. Now I'm ready to do some work to get it. It's hard to work for something that you don't recognize. Yeah. Right. So it's hard to go from like a thousand miles an hour to being like, I should be calm and go to yoga. Maybe, maybe not. But it's so much easier to put the work in and make some real changes, like real negotiations in your relationship and your time and your calendar, once you already know what the good feels like. Yeah. I love that acknowledgement that there will be work involved to bring yourself pleasure. <laughs> and I think, I mean, going back to the date night thing, it's like sometimes there's 87 steps to get yourself out the door for date night. And the whole time you're like, do I even care that much? Like, I'd rather just lay on the couch and watch Netflix. And But then when you do it, you're like, Oh yeah, this actually is fun. <laughs> so exactly. like there are so many things like that where we often decide that we don't want to do the work because like we maybe think that we won't get the reward or reap the benefits at the end. And sometimes you have to remember that that's how something felt in the past and mm. remember that the work to recreate that is going to be worth it. And that's really powerful. And I think that takes very intentional action and mindfulness and sometimes sacrifice. <laughs> Totally. Totally. But yeah. And, but if you can't even remember what that feels like, I hear this all the time. Like, I don't even know what would bring me joy. Yeah. I'm like, well, then you just go out and experience as many different things as you possibly yep. can. Yeah. Like, good. Then go remind yourself. Yeah. <laughs> and that is just bringing yourself to action over and over and over and over and over until you learn how best to support yourself through that. Totally. Totally. Yeah. So I know everything I teach, it's a practice, which is why I found long programs really work for me because I cannot, like I could explain it and you might intellectually understand it, mm. but until you are applying it and practicing it, it's not going to stick. Right. Like, yeah, I get it. I still don't do it. Right. Right. <laughs> when I launched my membership community a few months ago, I was like, no, this is a 12 month program because mm-hmm. moms, especially we have too many things going on and we have to practice everything like 
approximately 313 times before we're like, oh, wait, this actually has value because you just can't even like take it all in the first 312 times you practice it. Totally. <laughs> so yeah, I completely agree that we have to continually show up, practice, collect the data, remind ourselves the impact and then do it all over again. I know. I know. And then you write it on a sticky note mm-hmm. and stick it up on your wall. We're working yes. on magic spells right now, or we can call them whatever, but it's basically like, what happens when I... Here, I'm going to actually read you them. I have four things that I see people get stuck in over and over and over because we're human beings and we get stuck in things. Let me find them. But then we write our own personal magic spell. Like, what should I do when this happens? Mm. All right. Well, there's something about like, what happens when I get totally overwhelmed and I don't know what to do? Here we go. What do I do when I'm feeling completely hopeless and stuck? What do I do when I need to make a tough decision? What do I do when I'm overwhelmed and it's time to regroup and refocus? And what do I do when I need to add some excitement to a boring week? Oh, and, those are such good questions. Right? Because those are the, like, it's not the big disasters that are occurring to us. These are just like the daily things or weekly things or monthly things that can throw you off if you get mm-hmm. stuck in the spiral of that. So these are like very practical answers. Like, not what do you think you should do? What can you actually do when you're there? And so I've been brainstorming on Facebook and like, I know mine pretty well. Get outside. Mm-hmm. Like, Go outside, be in nature, drink a crap load of water, listen to powerful music. Music is a way that really I can easily move myself out of emotional states. Swamp, so dance to music, like not to look good. It will not look good, but just like letting the music move my body. Call a trusted friend, generally my husband or my mom. And every single one of mine, if none of the above work, go the F to bed. (laughs) <laughs> I love that one. It always feels better in the morning. It did like, right? Just go to bed, Molly. I don't care if it's 7 p.m. Just hand off the kids, go to bed. Love it. So Whatever. good. Anyways, so- but and you have to remember that you know those. Like I yes, really that's the thing. Yes. And put them on sticky notes on my wall. Because when you're in a bad mood, you're not going to be like, now what was that thing? So if you have the sticky note or the, like the place, the journal, wherever you can reference it and to be like, oh yeah, that's the thing I do. I go yeah. for a walk or I listen to music or I go for a drive and sing, you know, Billy Joel, whatever. Like, <laughs> totally. You know me so well. Yeah. <laughs> that's so funny because I don't even know where that came from because that's, <laughs> I'm not sure that I have sang Billy Joel since my, college. So. My boyfriend in high school used to sing acapella and they definitely sang like for the longest time. So that is a happy oh, song for me. It's so <laughs> amazing. Molly, this has been so good. And I have like 18 more questions that we didn't even get to. So I might have to have you come back. I would love to. (laughs) This has been so fun. I want to know in what ways you are a shameless mom. Oh, well, I have zero problem having a whole identity outside of my children. Like I will own mama every day. It's in my bio, but I am also Molly and Molly is separate from mama. So that doesn't bother me. An example, I have this whole series of what was the challenge? Sensual selfie challenge that my friend Evian was running on Instagram. And I saw them and then I saw a few people do them. These are like basically naked photos. I mean, they don't have to be, but I was like, Molly, the mom might not do this, but Molly, Molly wants to do this. I am posting naked pictures on Instagram. Nice. I love it. No one has ever used that as their example of being a shameless mom, by the way. So you totally win for being the shameless mom who wants to post naked naked pictures on Instagram. Admittedly, I did not post those ones on Facebook. That's okay. That was the line. I was like, you know, but there are plenty of people who know me in real life here. And one even said, (laughs) she goes, I've been looking at your Instagram. I'm like, 
are you enjoying my boobs? <laughs> oh my gosh. It is interesting. Like this is a whole nother conversation that we don't have time for, but it is interesting. There's a level of intimacy and community on Instagram that feels different than Facebook. Like, I mean, I would exclude Facebook groups from that, but like, that's a really interesting point. I'm that's intriguing. Well, all of my like in-laws and we yeah. more yeah. my like mom pickup <laughs> friends are on Facebook. Which yeah. Is- yeah. And although some of them are also on Instagram, somehow it did feel different. It does. Like I, just, no, I, I just hit the button, push to yeah. Facebook. I just let them live on Instagram. But then I just wrote a whole blog post and put all of them on my website. So, you know, I, apparently I don't care that much. Stalkers like me can find them. You I haven't, totally I will say, I haven't found them yet, but that might happen before the end of the week. <laughs> Oh, anyways, that was just one example of being a shameless mom. I love it. Also, that's I travel cool. by myself a fair amount. Oh, that's my favorite thing. <sighs> I love traveling by myself. But- oh, Molly, this has been so good and so fun. I appreciate the work that you're doing and everything that you shared with us here today. And I know that especially those four questions that you asked at the end, I know that those are going to strike some mamas and really help them out and help them have a little bit more of a plan for reclaiming and reconnecting with themselves. So I am so appreciative that you're here today. Can you tell everyone where they can find you if they want to connect with you outside of this interview? Absolutely. My website is Stratajoy. Just like it sounds like strategies for joy. Spell that in the smart way and you will end there. (laughs) Um, Instagram. Obviously, I have got a Stratajoy account and a Molly Mayhar account. It just depends if you will be triggered or happy to see my children. That's pretty much the only difference. <laughs> That's, I like that distinction. <laughs> well, you know, there's no way that my life is everyone's perfect life. And I understand that can be triggering when you're like, I don't want to see her beautiful beach home and her kids all the time. Right. I get that. So I try to keep those on my personal one. Mm-hmm. And then my strategy also has lots of selfies, but more business, you know, more. Here's what I'm thinking about in this realm of business. Right, right. I will have everything linked up over in the show notes over at shamelessmom.com so people can connect with you there and they can dig into Instagram and find your naked selfies. <laughs> oh, I love it. And will you link to Reclamation program yes. we talked about? Yeah, Thank yeah, you. definitely. That will be in there. So I have links for all of that already Great. in my notes here. So yeah, yeah. people can connect there. Thank you, Molly, for being here. We must do it again. I'm in. Yay. <laughs> Thanks all. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. 
Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist, and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder. And I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better.